0: Here at Making Movies is Hard, we want to express our support for the writer strike. We encourage our filmmaker comrades to look into how best they can be allies for the good fight.
1: Please go to WGACONTRACT2023.org to support the cause. Making movies is hard, but casting for your movie doesn't have to be. With Casting Calls America, you can post your open roles for free in over 30 local markets nationwide.
0: And when you post your roles, they will automatically post to IMDb Pro to get even more eyes on your project. All actor submissions are delivered to your user-friendly dashboard, making your casting process easy.
1: You can even search our actor databases and invite actors you're interested in to audition to your project. Actors pay a small monthly fee and have all open roles delivered to their inbox each day.
0: Get your project started Today. It's casting made easy at castingcallsamerica.com.
1: You know, making movies is
0: hard. Making movies is hard.
1: Welcome. This is the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bissell, the founding host of the podcast, and I'm a sci-fi horror filmmaker. My first feature film, The Alternate, is out now on digital DVD and Tubi.
0: I'm Liz Manischel. I'm a writer, director, producer who has made two features, bread and butter and speed of life, though everyone likes to call it speed of light. Who knew? And I'm currently in development slash pre-production slash uh, pulling my hair out over 15 million projects, but mainly one called Best Friends Forever. I'm a distribution consultant who does sales, and I used to manage the creative distribution initiative at Sundance.
1: This week, we welcome writer-director Bomani J. Story on the show to talk about making his first feature film, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, how he got the project set up at Crypt TV, and what it was like to premiere at South by Southwest, which is incredible. After that, we play another round of The Game. But first, Liz, how are you doing?
0: That was the best The Game you've ever done. That was just, <laughs> it was a really good one. I'm doing okay. I have a lot of things that are creating levels of instability in my life, which I don't respond well to. But I'm trying to just push those away and compartmentalize them and just push them down. Don't acknowledge them, Liz. And instead, talk about the fact that we're really just... Pounding the pavements, looking for leads for equity investments for my third feature, and it's just weird. It's weird to do it now. It's weird to look for investors when you're in the midst of one strike. The de- you know, and and gearing towards maybe another strike down the pike, and just a massive industry slowdown. And a lot of people out of work. And so I'm just trying to be super creative <laughs> in how, how we're asking for money and also just trying to figure out, because we can't just go to like traditional investors either. Not not that I have leads to traditional investors because we're just really trying to be very thoughtful about this whole thing. So that's what's going on. How are you?
1: Good. Raising money always is hard. Yeah. No matter what, I think. But yeah, I can imagine it being even Harder right now, and like you know, it's the world that we live in with the uncertainty and the markets and the you know everything. It's a uh, it's a lot. Yeah, I feel for you. I'm doing okay. I did something really I never done before uh, last week. I had a first like creative consulting session with a friend of the show, Clinton Cornwell.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, you kind of recommended this to me, and you know it was it was interesting. It was fun. It was kind of like therapy, but for creativity. It was like creative therapy, but yeah, no, it was cool. I just, I, I, I'm so like under the underwater right now on the project I'm working on, my job, and then the side job that I'm helping out with. It's just like, there's just so many things going on, and then my baby's about to be born, and it's just like I feel like it's just a whirlwind of crazy. Yeah, but like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel because this job, the 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 my main day job is going really well. Like our project that we're working on, and so. That's nice. And then that'll be done, you know, at the end of June. And then I have a vacation, which is great. And then who knows when the boy will come. He might come early. He could he could literally come at the start of my vacation, potentially. Wait, I mean, what's the due like date? July 28th. So okay. he could come like July 1st yeah. or July 5th or anytime around there, which would be crazy. But like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just sort of mentally preparing for him to come anytime between the 1st and the 28th. You know, just because I, I just think that, I don't know why I think that. I just think he's going to come early. I think he's going to surprise us. Yeah. Because he's got so much energy. He's always kicking. He's always <laughs> moving. He's way more active than BB was when she was in the womb, so to say. BB just hiccuped a lot. She did a lot of hiccuping when she was, you know, getting baked. But uh, this guy is kicking and... Like you basically, I put my hand on Beth's belly and I feel him like immediately. So that's been fun. So I don't know. I just feel like he's going to come early.
0: I don't let anyone feel the kicks other than me. Not really? that anyone asks. Like no one's like, please, Liz, let me feel the kicks. Sean but like, ask? No, he's Sean. I mean, like there's so many things <laughs> He could say about Sean to explain, but he's just not fascinated by it. He doesn't think it's interesting. So I think if I grabbed his hand and put it on my belly, he'd be like, oh, okay, let's watch more Joe Bob. You know, like that would be the response. So I'm the only one who knows what it feels like for the kiddo to kick. And I like that you guys share that. That's very cute.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know, it's something that I was excited about, you know, from the first one was like, oh my gosh, I get to feel her in there. Like, that's cool. But you know, yeah. So it's a lot of stuff. (laughs) As for my creative things, what's going on? Yeah, I'm not really working on the writing lately. I I basically took a week off, which is like unfortunate. And the whole point of my creative writing session is to spend more time. Clint wants me to write 45 minutes a day. Just like, Doc, like I don't know what world you live in, like where I have can do that, but he's like, let's look, let's work up to it, let's be. He's very encouraging. He's like, let's look. Aww. I was like, let's. I just want to do an hour a week, man. He's like, no, no, like try to do forty-five minutes a day. Like, all right, all right, we'll see. So I haven't, I haven't really been putting any of his encouragement into practice, but but maybe later this week I will do that. But yeah, I'm just sort of you know just surviving right now i'm in survival mode which is which is okay but i'm really looking forward to this vacation because then i can i'll be able to center myself and get ready and you know my internet's saying my connection is unstable so you might have heard that yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you'll hear it later anyways so yeah i I don't know what's going on with my internet my internet was like i hate my internet right now it's really pissing me off it's like going back and forth all the time oh well that's life (laughs) But you know what also is a part of life is our Patreon page. Uh, you can go over to www.patreon.com slash podcast and support the show on Patreon. This is the way that the show continues to grow, to live, to to be. This is one of the reasons why it won't crash when Liz and I both have babies in a short amount of time. <laughs> you know, because we'll, we'll have the support to... Uh, to keep it going and to keep we're 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 basically blocking our block recording episodes now so we'll have a whole bunch of episodes in the can before we take our little breaks for our kids but anyways $1.99 a month will get you guys access to the full back catalog which is only available on Patreon right now it's about 400 episodes um, and when we get to oh, so I guess it's 350 episodes so like when we get to 450 episodes then it'll be 400 because we always leave at least 50 plus you know free for everyone to listen to but anyways thank you all to, to everyone who supports us on Patreon you should also make sure to check out jambox.io they're a royalty free music and sound effects company with an emphasis on high quality cinema Use. their composers have worked on soundtracks for hollywood-level films working with directors like michael bay and martin scorsese and they even offer customized plans to fit your needs which is pretty great but without any more delay here's our chat with bomani j story all right we're here with bomani j story for the angry black girl and you wrote it and directed it right yes yes sir amazing Give us the elevator pitch for the angry black girl and her monster.
2: Yo, you know, it's uh, Frankenstein through a modern lens, through the eyes of a teenage black girl, you know, on her quest to cure death. I think that's the elevator pitch. God, it's
0: like the best elevator pitch. All right. How many days did you shoot?
1: Uh, About 20. Nice. And what was the rough budget, if you can say?
2: I can't. (laughs) Give us a range. Can you give us a range, anything? I can't. I think it's like, you know, the most I could say is probably tier one. I could say that.
1: Okay,
0: okay. That's Excellent. helpful. Thank yeah. you. Can you tell us about the origin of the idea? How did it come to you?
2: So it started with my with my love of the original literature, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you know, and once I read that, I was just blown away by the power of the writing. And I just knew I, it was a story that I wanted to recontextualize because I felt like a lot of the adaptations that happened that aren't like necessarily direct adaptations are you know we're leaving a lot of stuff on the floor that I thought was awesome, you know. So I wanted to capture that mixed with you know it's like I have two older sisters and you know they were my muse
1: into this. And how long did you spend working on the film from like coming up with that idea to it being released?
2: I mean. So, I I mean, I came up with the idea decades ago, you know, because after I read the book when I was like fresh out of high school, so to date myself, I'm about 34 right now. So, I I read the book when I was like 19 and I kind of had the idea, but I didn't know how to approach it. Fast forward all the way to kind of around the 2016 to 2018, around that range was when I started to write it. And then it didn't really start getting, it didn't get, you know, picked up until around 2020. And then we hit production 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been it's been a little bit
0: good. If you could change one thing about the film in any way, the process, your experience, the outcome, what would it be?
2: I don't know. I always kind of feel like shit happens for a reason. You know, it's just like, so, you know, you're always going to have little things that you, you know, wish that you could have done. Like, you know, some things like, I wish I could have spent a little bit more time, you know, in the lab because our uh, our production designer, he had such attention to detail in that lab that we weren't able to really, really like get in there and showcase because it was like it was wild, you know, and I wish I could have shown more with of that stuff, you know, just texture and things of like that. And, you know, so there's always going to be tiny things like that, you know, but I am a, a firm believer in just like it, the shit happens the way it happens, see <laughs> you, you know, and, and it makes you to you can either fight it, you know, which I think makes a worse story, worse project, or you embrace it for what it is and you move on it, you know? So everything that happened in this movie, you know, whether I was like, you know, disgruntled about it at a certain point, you know, it's just like when you move to the next level, you learn how to adapt to it. For instance, like if I'm shooting on set and I can't get something, you know what I mean? It's just like when I'm in the edit, it becomes something else, you know, maybe something more beautiful. You you know what
1: I mean? So to me you know it's just like i i'm a believer in that can you talk about how you got to make this as your first feature at this scale mm-hmm. like what were like the circumstances that led to you getting this movie produced by Crypt TV and like having this kind of experience for your first full length movie <laughs> I don't know, like, you said, like, how how I got there,
2: or... or
0: well, like, how did you meet them? How did yeah. you pitch? How do you get to pitch? How do you get to...
2: So, yeah, I mean, the weird part about the story is, is, like, I was assistant editing for, <laughs> for Crit, and, like, I had a... They had my script at the time, and I guess I guess they thought it was pretty good. So <laughs> like, you know, it's like, so... Because my manager had sent it to them, and I was kind of hoping that they didn't know I was their assistant editor at the time, but then as soon as I got the call that they wanted to meet with me, they're like yeah and we saw you on the call sheet and i was like fuck i was, I was like why <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and they brought me into to pitch for the movie you know and they they really they really took to the pitch you know and took to it so much that they decided to take a uh, a risk on a first time filmmaker, or at least in the director's seat, you know, so uh, that was wild.
0: How much freedom, how much control did you get? It, I, I know it's a tough question. But in terms of casting, in terms of weighing on how many days you would get in terms of your hiring of your crew, did they give you a lot of that freedom? Or, or were you treated a little bit more like a director for hire? at moments because it was your first
2: feature? I mean, it's always a collaborative process, you you know, and a lot of things that I wanted landed in my favor, you you, you know what I mean? So, like, I wanted Leia, you you know what I mean? It's like when she came into audition, that was the actress that I was like, I don't, you know, I don't really want to see anybody else. Like, (laughs) It was was talent at first sight, you, you know what I mean? So... There was shit like that that was kind of going on throughout the process where it was just like, you know, a lot of things were just landing in the favor of what I wanted. So, you know, of course, it's always going to be a collaborative process, you know, so it's just like they're going to have their notes and, you know, those are going to be implemented or whatever. But, you know, they listened to the things I had to say and then I listened to the things they had to say and just the story we have now.
1: Nice. Once you guys landed on the story, when you're on set, did they kind of let you just do your thing or was there... Was there kind of a way that you had to check in with them every day after a shoot or did you just kind of go and they let you do your thing at that point?
2: No, when I was in uh, when I was on set, they were like, who was it? Jasmine was there from Crypt TV and she was always a a beautiful like asset because she would come in and kind of just be like, hey, can you think about this? You know, I I remember like from our opening shot or one of our opening shots when she's first getting called the mad scientist and the camera swings around to the front of. Vicaria and Jada, Jasmine kind of came up to me while we were doing some takes of that. And she was just like, you know, and she, you know, she added that she was just like, Hey, it might be good to, you know, have a swing around. I was just like, Actually, yeah, it is a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we implemented that. So she was around but i was kind of you know i don't want to say i was running amok because like you know finances are always going to dictate how far you can go with something you know it's just like and we were limited financially so it's not like i can be like i want a crane shot every day you know it's like that's that's just not going to happen so you know i don't know if that answers your question but you know yeah pretty
1: much
0: i want to go back in time a little bit because i went to usc and i constantly either am proud of i know (laughs) I they're proud of or doubt that it was a good decision for what it's worth. Like, I swing back and forth. It mm-hmm. was a like very meaningful time, but I also recognize the cost Mm -hmm. of the experience. Can Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about your decision to start Bernardino Valley College to move on to USC and the benefits of both or, or the what I don't mean to put a value judgment on it, but like your experience at both.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, Mm -hmm. I loved my experience at both of them. Valley College not only allowed me to kind of knock off two years of tuition and, you know, and get my education because, you know, there were great teachers there. I learned a lot like the my my English there like really profoundly took a leap you, you know while I was there as well as math and just like those general education classes that I wasn't paying attention to in high school like really they they really taught me a lot while I was there not to mention the film program there she's not there anymore she's retired but shout out to uh, Diane Dusick she was running that program for a long time and taught me avid and like it was a it was a it was a great program for me i I loved it you you know it's like and i was there for about two years and after that you know so after kind of taking those classes and then it gave me an intro to film like you know it's like because i came to it a little bit late and until like i was around 18 after high school and like i had never seen casablanca before even fucking heard of it You, you know it's like and movies like that. And the other crazy thing that I got to experience was just like I had kind of seen images of Psycho, but I had never watched it before or even heard about it. So I kind of watched that, kinda got a chance to watch that movie spoiler free, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> but that was because of, you know, Valley College. And after Valley College, you know, it's like I put my applications out there and and I went to go see some of the schools that accepted me. USC was one of them. And I just loved the campus and I loved the program and USC I thought was excellent. You know, it was an excellent film program for me. I know. So, uh, you know, I, I fucking loved it. And one of the most profound classes I took there was with, he's still teaching there. And I still talked to him, Barnett Kelman. Mm-hmm. He taught. Yeah, directing me's en scene I think is the name of the class it might be something different now but that class really opened my eyes to what directing is you know I was like I I loved it you know it's like I loved every part of it
0: I thought you were gonna say Drew Casper I don't know if you had Drew Casper I <laughs>
2: I didn't know how much time I have. I can go like, <laughs> uh, okay. he's the other one. You know, he is the other professor. Like, I have a crazy story where, cause like, I took the Hitchcock class and the intro to film class with uh, with Drew Casper. I don't wanna waste too much of time, but I'll just tell one crazy story where he was like, I was sitting in the front row, which everyone calls the spray zone. Since you're there, you know, like, you know, it's like I sat in the front row and you know, I was in the Hitchcock class. And he was, and it was on Psycho. That was the movie we had gotten to. And, you know, he has a lot to say about that movie. He's very passionate. And he was running around the place, like, talking about Psycho, how awesome it was. And then he came up to me. And then he was just like, it's a masterpiece for money. Can I kiss your forehead? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh... And then he, you know, he kissed my forehead and <laughs> went on with his like extreme rant. And that was probably one of the most like uh, that was the craziest moment. But I loved Drew Casper's classes. It I was mean, yeah. you
0: escaped him throwing the shoe. That's why I'm just like very like, <laughs> getting a kiss at the forehead is better than getting a through show net through yeah. net you. So.
2: <laughs> when did you go?
0: Oh, and so sorry, Arik. I just couldn't help myself. Um, I graduated in 2010. Fun. so. Okay.
2: Oh, so we graduated the same year.
0: Oh, but I was grad. I was grad program. Grad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
0: But we might've been in the same class. Cause I did take the Hitchcock class, I think.
2: Oh, okay. I had like a loud boisterous laugh. That's how people knew. Me. I'm serious. Like I'd walk around campus and then like someone would hear me laughing. They're like, you're the kid in the back of that Hitchcock class. And, like, my-
1: <laughs> so I don't know if you ever heard one of Like, yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Sounds like fun. I missed out. So I, I wanted to ask about the, what I think is really an integral part of the story is your manager. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about how you got your your manager and like what that relationship like how what led to that relationship, I guess?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm with Randy at Luber Rockland and yeah, he's he's been great. You know, it's like the way that happened was like, so I wrote a feature for my real close friend, Trevor Rocksteady Row, and he was representing Trevor and, and he still is. And like he read that script and was, you know, and kind of approached me. I kind of he did approach me and asked to to represent me and i said yes and you know he's been wonderful ever since you know he's like he's kind of my my bouncing board you know i shoot off ideas and i'm just like these are the ones that are in my head and then we'll talk about which ones we think is the you know most potent and like yeah he really helps shepherd shit and he sees the terrible drafts that no one else will see <laughs> and like it's it's fantastic
1: can i have a quick call up question to that really quick so like you you know you have your your manager you you wrote this feature script uh-huh. you know got made got yeah. your manager like and you're still assistant editing at this time, right? But like yeah. at this point now that you've made this feature, are you still doing the assistant editing stuff? Or like are are you kinda at a point where the directing is sort of starting to take the lead and like be the main thing that you do to support yourself. I think I'm still in transition, Mm
2: -hmm. you know, it still can, you know, still can happen. And luckily with the way it seems like things are going, hopefully it keeps going that way. You know, it's like, you just, you know, you never know right now. Like I'm still kind of, you know, doing both, you know, it's like, I made enough money to kind of, you know, chill for a second and keep writing, which is good, you you know, but you know, these jobs, you know, it's like you, they're there, you don't know when the next one's going to come. So yeah. Gotta stay busy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm I'm trying to figure out which I have two questions. They're battling each other in my brain. I'm going to go with this one: the strike, the writer strike. How is that impacting you personally
2: at this moment? Oh, you guys do really do ask crazy questions. <laughs> I'll like, <this> awesome. <laughs> tell one thing about the movie.
0: <laughs> this is this is like pretty odd odd on, on brand for us, by the way. This is <laughs>
2: like, yeah, it was until now it's just like, oh yeah, y'all are like. Oh. <laughs> I mean, look, man, it's like I fucking wrote this script so i mean it's going to affect me because now i'm kind of just being like you know you know it's like you don't want to do anything crazy because like i you know it's like i respect what the the fight is about you you know what i mean so like you know, I'm not crossing my fucking picket lines like, I'm, um, <laughs> like, you know, it's like so right now I'm just, uh, you know, I'm sitting and listening, you know, because so, I'm not a part of the, the WGA, you know, it's like, that's, that's what I'm not. So right now I'm just kind of just sitting and listening and, you know, seeing what the hell is going on, you, you, you know.
0: But are you feeling like because... Sorry, Alric and I don't have management. So this is why we also are like so interested in what you're going through to be to have this very successful film under your belt, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. then having a script ready to go. Are you feeling like are you how is your manager addressing that with you? Like, are you not in any way being pitched projects? Are you not in any way? Is it like a moratorium or is there are you able to progress? Because maybe there are some projects that were already staffed and ready to go, and you could be an attachment to them still in the midst of the strike.
2: Like attachment because everyone is striking. Is that what you're asking? Like, am I is it opening up doors or?
0: No, no, no. no. I wouldn't even assume that it's like yeah. that's the only reason you would get that job. Yeah. I'm really just saying, like, do you feel a slowdown of work? As a director, not necessarily as a writer at this moment.
2: Oh, I mean, work has always been slow for me because this is my first movie. So it's like technically there's no change for me right now because <laughs> I wasn't doing shit before this movie besides just doing this movie. So like <laughs> <laughs> so technically, you know, nothing's changed. So yeah.
1: <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about like what happened once the movie was finished and like Crypt TV sides off and they love it and whatever, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like how involved are you in the distri- distribution and the f- festival part of the movie? Or is that kind of like taken out of your hands and like, you know, the production company they're just handling that and you're kind of like just getting the updates.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be blessed with good collaborators. You know, they are keeping me involved and, you know, talking to me about stuff and I'm seeing stuff, you know, it's like like the trailer. I saw that before it came out and I was able to kind of give my two cents and like, you know, with the posters and, you know, it's just like they've been, they've been keeping me, you know, in the loop with, with all this, you know? So it's been, it's been really fantastic. You know, I, I really, I really lucked up here. It's, it's awesome. Mm.
0: I, I'm, I don't know if you're going to get a different answer with this question than what Alric <laughs> just asked, but can you go into more about what it feels like? Like having, I think playing South by is like, a dream Like a total dream For many many filmmakers And it gets put up On a pedestal For mm-hmm. a lot of us Yeah And I think it And in your film Has been reviewed so well And like By the way The second the email came in Ulrich didn't even ask me Because he knew I would want to Talk to you too And he's just like Yes <laughs> let's talk to We want to talk to this guy <laughs> Let's
1: make this happen
0: <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I Could you talk A little bit about The meeting of fantasy And reality That you're experiencing Right now,
2: yeah, I can and I cannot because it's like it's so surreal, you know. It's like you know, you hear so many when you're watching your heroes, as I was doing, you know, and they're always kind of be like, Yeah, it can happen, and believe in your dreams and yourself. And like, I never rolled my eyes at it because obviously I I stayed at the craft, you know, it's like because I love it so much, but then to like, I don't know, witness it happen to yourself to a certain degree, you, you, you know, was like. I don't know if there's any kind of words to kind of express how it feels, you know. It makes me kind of just... I understand why they say that, you know, and now I'm, I, I'm doing the same thing, you know, I'm just like, yo, keep writing, you know, keep going. It's like, it can happen. It's like, it is possible, you, you know, it's just like, especially for someone like me, like, you know, it's like, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have an astounding like record of these crazy short films that were doing awesome. You, you know, it's like that, that wasn't me. And, you know, it's like, I just had to keep kind of writing and, and creating until I got to a point where someone decided to take a chance, he, you know, so like it's it's possible, you, you know. So like it, it's been a surreal feeling.
1: All right, I'm gonna ask a more, you know, about, question about the movie. So <laughs> I, I made my first feature. Yeah, in yeah, be a
2: definitely- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you good, yeah.
1: <laughs> so and and this is probably not the type of question you think it's gonna be. But anyways, I had a lot of anxiety making my first feature film and it was really an intense time for me a lot of pressure I was obsessed with making my days and not going over so I just want to like get into your brain a little bit like what was it like for you when you were on set like were you thinking about those things like were you worried about going over like did that happen a lot or were you on your, your schedule every day like what were some of the things that you were like dealing with on the set when you're making when you're actually doing your days and, and doing the work that you you kinda took away to learn to take onto your next movie.
2: Yeah, I mean it's weird because those things are they're important, but they weren't at the top of my mind because I was so stressed out and focused on just being like, How do I how do I make these scenes good? How do I, you know, make these shots good? You know what I mean? I was like, I was kind of just like focused on on that. I was like, I got a big movie, you know, or like a, a whole story to to tell here. You know, so it was like, yeah making the days was, you know, crucial. And it was like, it, it was on my mind, but it was more important to me to kind of be like, look, making the day is not more important than, you know, fucking these scenes up. You, you know what I mean? It's just like, who gives a fuck if you make a day, if all the scenes are trash, mm-hmm. you, you, you know what I mean? It's just like, that's not to say that you should spend the whole entire day on one second of the scene, you know, of one scene and like and trash everything else because something's better than nothing but like you know what are we doing here so to me that was where all my stress was coming from was just like we need to i need to be landing these scenes i need to be executing them to the best that i possibly can you, you know it's just like that's that's where my focus was you know it's just like how can i put this movie and how can i put all the players involved whether it's the dp or the actors or the pd like how am I putting them or assisting them and to make the strongest and most creative decisions possible for this film? And like, that was where, that was where my head was at, you you, you know? So sorry,
1: quick follow up. So thinking in that way, does that ever, did you ever end up like in a situation where you're going like two or three hours over, or were you able to do that and have that mentality and still also keep it within your time?
2: I can't remember whether I ever had overtime. I don't, I don't know. I've talked to my AD. I don't think I did. I might have. I'm, I'm not sure, but I know there was a day that I, you know, I didn't make cause it just, we weren't getting it. But like, you know, I made it up in another day, you, you know, it's just nice. like, you, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, it's a trick I learned. Like, you, you know, it's like when you're in the same location and shit like that, you can, figure out how to like it's like if i missed it here you know and i have all the actors here at this time or like i we in the same space or whatever it can be made up here you you know what i mean like or in like the scheduling phase like you hide time for yourself you know get yeah. down with your ad and like you know i'm not telling you to overload the shit out of it but like find time that you can give yourself a padding somewhere you you, you know what i mean and understand what scenes are bullshit not like bullshit but just like you know when she's opening fucking doors and closing them like goddamn like (laughs) if you know like like, it's like you know it's like those shots are just like they're important but they're also like you know you can get through them you know don't get caught up you know
0: i think we have to move on to that we call this the final six questions they're they're also, not about the film. Yeah, but,
2: um, but yeah, I, 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 like, yeah. we
0: ask everyone. Theme.
1: Is, this is... theme for our show here. We don't really talk about the actual movie ever.
0: <laughs> we talk about the artist, is what we yeah. like to talk about. Yeah. What's the first film you ever made? You can interpret that in any way. It could be like a classroom assignment, or it could be your first short film, or it could be this first feature. And how do you feel about it now?
2: The first film I ever made. Man, it was like a, I mean, it had to have been a short film in high school or something, or like in college. I don't remember like, you know, it's like there was one in community college that I made. I don't remember much of it. I just know that it didn't feel good. It's like when I watched it. <laughs> it's like when there was when I was like, "Oh, should never do that again. This, this isn't good." <laughs> or you know what? There was a better one. Might be like there's some short because I did the 48 hour film festival mm-hmm. for like three years in a row. So. There are probably some ones in there that probably shouldn't have been made either. But like the third one, I thought was was pretty good as a western. Did its thing, you know? It was like <laughs> so it won the area, so that was cool. It took us to Miami.
1: Nice. What's the best filmmaking advice that you've ever received?
2: The best filmmaking advice? Yeah, I mean, I guess like what Barnett Kelman told me, like, you know, it's like uh, directing is more about listening, you know, than, you know, commanding and stuff like that. And like, I think that was probably one of the more profound advice that I've heard.
0: I just love that when you gave that answer, Ulrich stands up and goes off camera for a second.
2: Keep that in the cut. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make
0: a TikTok video out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard any really bad filmmaking advice? I mean, or what is the worst filmmaking advice you've ever received or heard?
2: Man, I wish I could I wish I could answer that question, but I don't know if I can because if someone gave me shitty advice in the past, I probably deleted it out of my head to not follow it. You know, it's like so nice. I don't know if like I don't know. Maybe someone once said like Yo, you have to cut every like fifteen seconds or something weird like that. Like it was really weird back in the day. Someone said that, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and like I was, you know, I didn't think anything <laughs> of it until now. And I was like, oh yeah, someone said that to me once. I was like,
1: that sounds really dumb. <laughs>
2: So don't do that.
1: Do you have a goal as a filmmaker?
2: Just to, I don't know, make the the best films that I can, you know, have a catalog I and mean, to have a body of work. I think that would be like a, a solid body of work. I, I would love to have made some like, you know, made quite a few pictures that show a, a good breadth of work. I think that would be awesome.
0: If you could go back in time, what's the piece of advice you would give yourself?
2: Good one. What would I tell myself? <laughs> I don't know, like uh, to keep the focus, man. Like keep going; it's uh, uh it's gonna happen.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, just you know, stay true to yourself and believe in your instincts. Last question: Is making movies hard? Absolutely not. It's the easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like no. It's <laughs> lucky for you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's. Uh... It's fun. It's it's hard. It's work. You know what I mean? It's work. There's a lot of time and and passion and emotion that goes into it from a lot of different people. You, You know what I mean? So... I think think it is it is hard work, but it's also very fun. You know, I don't want to. It's not worth. It wouldn't be worth the work if it wasn't fun. Hmm. You know, so
0: I realize I ushered us into this part of the conversation too early because now we're we're early. What do we do, Auric? You have something (laughs) in the weeds. I
1: pull lots of questions out of my my
0: butt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah so I want to h- hear about like now at this stage, like you said that, you know, I mean, we got, we know the writer strikes happening and everything. And like you, you said that you're not really sure like what the next step of your career is going to be or what it's going to look like after this. But I just want to know, like, what are you, what are you working on and how are you attacking getting your next feature made?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to attack in your feature made right now when, you know, we're not sending scripts out, you, you know yeah. what I mean? So There's that, you know, the, so again, I'm kind of just sitting back and listening and seeing what the, cause you know, I'm sure there's someone I can talk to and figure out what the hell, you know, I'm supposed to do whatever. But right now I'm just kind of just sitting back and kind of like watching and listening, you know, but. Let me
1: rephrase the question slightly. Yeah. So like, like, do you think that you would go out and like make another movie like at this level, at this scale, are you kind of have your sights on something else? Are you trying to, to jump up to a different budget level or to a different type of movie, or is there anything like that that you've been thinking about for like how to ensure your second one gets made?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would like to have some more money and time. You know, I'm not asking for eighty million dollars. You know, I was like, but yeah, I would like to have some more money and time for my next. My next script, you know, because so, I, I do have another script that I that finished or whatever. So, like, I would like to have a, a little bit more money and time to be able to do it, to express myself creatively. Nice.
0: If we're just throwing out random questions, I have another one. Yeah. Just talking about the Frankenstein narrative. I know it sounds like it influenced you in high school, but... Did you feel like the pressure to read every annotation and, you know, in the I don't even know, I'm in the Folio Society version of, of Frankenstein. Did, did you feel like you had to over research or additionally research the text or did you just go with the emotional relationship you had to the text when you first read it.
2: Yeah, that I just, my emotional relationship to the the original text was like, was all I needed. You know, I was just kind of reading that and, you know, looking at that the whole time. You you know, that was my, um, I I didn't really feel the need to kind of go anywhere outside of that because that's ground zero. Everything I want to know, anybody outside of that, doing anything outside of that, that's their subjective opinion of what they're taking from the original text. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, it's not necessary for me to reach any far further than that, you, you know, it's like because I'm doing my own thing, I'm doing my own interpretation here. So the only person I got to respect is Mary Shelley. Like,
1: it's like you,
2: you know, so that's kind of that was my focus.
1: When you work with actors, what's your process? Like, did you get a chance to have a lot of rehearsal time with them beforehand, or was it all just on set? And like, how do you approach that relationship as a director?
2: Um, I love rehearsals. You know, I love rehearsals, and me and Leia, we we got about a little less than a week of rehearsals together. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So like I I adore rehearsals, you you know, it's like I think they're great. I think it gives you time to you and the actors to kind of get to know each other. It gives you an opportunity to throw shit at the wall, you know, that you wouldn't be able to do on set and like really find find, you know, the scene, whatever you're working on and whatever you're doing, you you know, and it gives you and the actors a a repertoire. And like, yeah, it's kind of just like going out and practicing basketball for a little bit, like a pickup game. You guys kind of see, you know, how your vibe together like i i enjoy that and it gives you an opportunity to figure out the language with all the actors cuz you know it's just like they're they're not all the same you know on my set they all have different ways of approaching the material and i have to respect that y- y- you know on how to communicate with them when it comes to that i
0: i tend to be confused by confident people it just like flummoxes me that people could be confident in life yeah. and you seem like a confident person and i'd be curious if if you have moments that are lapses in confidence and how do you kind of cheer a lead for yourself in those moments?
2: I mean, right now, because I have no control. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you don't have any control when you're on set and stuff like that. Like you have influence and shit, but there's like factors outside of you that will change things. You know, for instance, like, you know, an easy one is just like, look, if you run out of money or whatever. It's just like, you're not going to be making no movie. Like you just, you can't keep going. Right. Or if you run out of time, basically, you know, that's an even bigger one. So people might work for free but it's just like if you ain't got no time then you ain't you ain't making no movie you know what i mean so it's just like that's out of your control no matter what and who you are. But like, you know, and it's moments like that and moments like now, you know, it's like, I'm still kind of like, oh, you know, uh, we're releasing in June. So it's like, I don't know how people are going to take this movie. Like, and like, you know, so there's there's moments of that. But the way I'm able to kind of, my process of dealing with that is kind of like, you know, you, you, the stuff you can't control, you 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 have to let go. You know, you have to let go. It like, I'm not gonna say it doesn't matter, but it's like, there's nothing you can do about it. So because there's nothing you can do about it, you, you shouldn't give it any energy like in 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 theory you know what i mean in theory it's just like if there's nothing i can do about it you why give it any energy you, you know it's like there's no that's not going to do anything so to me it allows me to kind of recapture that like that energy and use it and put it towards something else you, you know and kind of give it to myself to to be okay and then and, and let go
1: i think i don't i don't think i have anything else unless you got something else liz
0: well, no, just in general, like, how do you want people to support you in the film? I mean, oh, yeah. we could do that. We'll do the direct call out, or you could do the direct call out to the dates, whatever you want to do here.
2: Yeah, yeah nah, man. Show up to theaters June 9th. <laughs> June 9th. The Angry Black Earner Monster in theaters. See it in the theater. It plays well, I hope. <laughs> it plays well.
0: Do you love making movies as hard and you want to listen to more episodes?
1: Jump over to our Patreon page at patreon.com MMIH and you can listen to the entire back catalog of episodes for just $1.99 a month.
0: That's an additional 300 episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can listen to whenever you please.
1: But without any more blibber blabber. Back to the show! Liz, what do you remember about our chat with Bomani?
0: I just remember that it was really nice to talk to someone else who went to USC around the same time. (laughs) And all my takeaways are always like really personal, right? And just I felt like a level of kinship and familiarity with him because we both had gone through similar programs and just impressed with him. I think that he's I just feel very different from him in that like he's just very like calm, calm and lives in the moment and like doesn't seem to worry too much. And again, that's always confusing to me. But I enjoy talking with him. What do you remember?
1: I just remember that, you know, he was very realistic about his future, even though he had this amazing success. Like, he he did not know, like, what will be next for him. You know, he has management. He, you know, he has this big movie that's just about to come out that, you know, played these huge film festivals. And, like, you know, basically the biggest success that you could hope for from any indie, indie filmmaker. And, you know, even him is like, he's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on with this writer's crack. I don't know it's going to affect me. I don't know anything. Like, yeah, check with me in a year to see if I've got my next job. I might have to go back to, I think he was an assistant editor or he was doing something like that or I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was assistant editing. So it was just, it's just interesting to like, see like on the highest level, like of, of the indie world that it's, that's, there's that much uncertainty, you know, in his future. And it just made me think like, well, if I wanted security, like I, I definitely am doing the wrong thing. But yeah, no, it was really interesting, and I, I really can't wait to see the movie. I wish I had gotten to see it before we chatted with him because we didn't really talk a lot about the movie, and I think that like kind of took him off guard a little bit. But we got. Some oh, really, I don't care. Some-
0: I love that. <laughs> I love (laughs) not talking about the movies on this podcast. It's my favorite part of our podcast.
1: That's almost the whole podcast. Like, we very rarely talk about the actual movies or shows that people make every once in a while. But yeah, Liz, you know what I'm very, 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 very excited to do right now? What? I'm excited to play the game. So, we have the game. For those who are just listening for the first time, our producer Eric Toms, he's the one who came up with this. He constructed it from nothing. Basically, it's an indie film challenge an indie film question quandary that that he'll pose to us and we have to figure it out live on the show so the way we do this is uh, we switch off once every other week and you know one of us asks the question to the other blind so I have not read this question Liz has not heard this question she would she would not know anything about it and she'll have to give her answer right on the spot and then I'll weigh on weigh in on my thoughts afterwards but Without further delay, here is this week's question. You've been working with a non guild writer to help you draft a script of your next film. You've paid the screenwriter a fee, and you are providing the vast majority of the ideas. Sometimes you and the writer will bounce ideas off one another, but you're both setting out to make a bank robbery film. Though, over the course of your sessions, you end up with a romantic comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Since you paid the writer's fee, you own the script. But we'll give them credit. You two finally finish the script and are moving forward with, the, with prime production on the film. However, you soon discover that the writer has written a bank robbery film and sold it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I like this. Do you? A. Let the writer sell the film despite the fact many of the ideas were yours. B. Ask for a cut of the money since you came up with many of the plot points see sue the writer <laughs> signing that it had been if it hadn't been for you then they wouldn't have made a script in the first place the other what do you do director what do you do oh my gosh
0: well i mean there's a chance that their bank robbery script doesn't have all of my ideas right it could just be a script that is a bank robbery and they didn't plagiarize anything. I'm I'm like thinking about this pretty clearly. Okay. So I would, I would confront the writer and first of all, I'd figure out how, how did I find out that he sold this story? That's important intel to have, but I would talk to the writer and I would say, Hey, are my ideas in this script? And I would talk to them and then I would see how they respond. I don't want to be litigious with my peers. That doesn't sound fun. And I don't know how much money they were given. I don't know if this film will ever go into production. And I don't think necessarily... I mean, the ideas might have been mine, but the execution was theirs. So I guess my my like instinct is to not get too greedy. And if I enjoyed working with them and I want to work with them on this rom-com, and I want to work with them on other projects, it would just be getting clarity from them on why exactly they did what they did and were my ideas involved. So it would be, A, let the writer sell the film despite that many of the ideas were mine, if they were mine, and let them explain themselves, let them offer to give me credit and or money, and if they don't, Maybe consult a lawyer and then draft up a letter that references expectations and see how they respond. What would you do?
1: Well, I'm just curious like, would you feel insulted or? at all like miffed that they didn't tell you that they were writing a robbery bank robbery script and that they sold it before it happened because if you're working with them so closely like you wouldn't you'd think that they would be like oh yeah I'm also working on this other project or do you feel like cuz to me that's the biggest red flag is that they didn't tell you so if they didn't tell you they must not have told you for a reason you know cuz mm. they were like either like oh I I feel like there's a conflict of interest I shouldn't be doing this but I'm going to anyways or that it's like, they're like, you know, they did take your ideas and they don't want you to know about it, you know?
0: It just seems so foolish of them, of any person. Like this scenario feels unrealistic because like what person, I'm asking this question and I'm sure there are millions of counterexamples of people fucking over someone else at close range, right? <laughs> but right. but it just seems so odd that this could even occur. So part of me is just thinking there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason why they didn't tell me. It can't be that duplicitous. And if it is through duplicity that all of this is occurring, I still don't want to get in a major lawsuit with a colleague in the industry and then be like, you know, mired in that. Is that the phrase? Just kind of dwell in that for months, if not years. That just feels like a really unpleasant way to live my life. And Again, I didn't write the script, right? They wrote it. They took the ideas and they put them into practice. Am I someone who's always wanted to write a bank robbery script and they broke my heart because all my great bank robbery ideas are gone? No, I don't think so. So I this doesn't feel it's not a good thing, but it's not a breach worth me going into debt for is how I see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And I apologize. The wood chipper in front of my house just started to go off. So hopefully people can still hear me.
0: Yes, we. I can hear you very easily. Good,
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think for me, I would just you know confront the writer straight up. Be like, hey, congratulations! I heard you sold this movie. That's great. You know, like, can I read it? Like, did you did you use any of the things we discussed in it? Like, or is this something completely different? Were you just inspired by our conversations? Like, I just would like be like straight up, like a friend. Like, hey, what's going on here? Like you know let me see and then like if there were plot points and it was like a version of the the script that we were going to write that we we threw away for whatever reason then I would be like, yo, give me a credit, you know, and like, oh, what was your fee? Oh, eh, just give me some back end, like whatever, you know, like I would just be really chill about it, you know, like I'm not trying to like take their lunch. And like you said, like you didn't write it, you know, they right. wrote it. So you just want a little credit and like, you know, a little appreciation. That's it. It's just like kind of a personal mm-hmm. thing. And, and I I wouldn't like you. I don't I don't want to get litigious with with co- with colleagues uh, or with anyone really Like I've done yeah. I've, been, I've been in like A lawsuit like once And it oh. was like So stupid And and uh, I was like Really annoyed By the whole thing And the person Sent me like The the papers On Christmas day
0: <gasps> <laughs> like, oh. like
1: she dated it Christmas day December 25th Like she did this On Christmas And then I got it Like a couple <laughs> Like a week later And I'm like What? Like you're An insane person like, like you're trying to say, like, I ruined your Christmas or something or like you want to ruin my Christmas. Like, uh, <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, so I agree. They're just ne- not fun situations to be in and very negative. And uh, yeah, I don't need that in my life. So I would just come to them as a friend and, and see what's going on. And I figure like, yeah, I'm sure like probably more, like you're, you're saying probably more than likely it isn't your ideas, you know, and, it, and it's like just they were inspired by it and they did their own thing. And maybe there's a thing here or there. But, you know, even if it was like we had discussed it in, in our conversations and like it was executed differently in the script, it's like, who cares? You know, like ideas, like people get so obsessed with like, oh, they ripped me off. They stole my idea. Like, oh, I should sue them. but I'll never be able to make another movie. It's like, <laughs> well... <laughs> If they did steal your idea, like I guarantee you they didn't execute it anywhere near the way that you would. Right. And B, like, you can always do your version of it later in another movie. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know. So yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I would not go the stronger route on this. I would I would just, you know, approach it very friendly, very casual and just see what's going on. But I I probably would be personally a little hurt that they didn't tell me about it, because like if you're working so closely with someone, you know, you usually talk about like everything that you're doing. And uh, if they were writing another script while working with me, it'd be like, "Yo, <laughs> you didn't even want to tell me that you're writing another script? Okay. What about that time you said you couldn't get me pages back in time? Oh, because you're writing another script, huh? Nah, you know, it'd be more like that. It wouldn't be like, "I'm gonna sue you." <laughs> you
0: know? Well, yeah, and I think the repercussions are do is even if the infraction wasn't great like do i really want to work with them on the next script i don't know i don't know if if if, the, if this is like a weird situation where i feel like creatively they're borrowing from our sessions it's always like like have you ever been friends with a comedian and it's like they use what you say as copy or there's like the fear of what you say is always going to turn out to be copy for Mm. their act it's Mm. like i don't necessarily want to be worried about that either so i think you know you finish the rom-com you 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 tie that up tightly and unless they have a really good reason you know, you just probably don't want to work with them again. And that's fine. There are millions of wonderful people to work with this in in this industry. It just sounds like you and I are just like not willing to to go petty. I think mainly just because it sounds exhausting to be petty. Like it just sounds tiresome and like a bummer. I don't want to like be preoccupied. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I, I feel like more than likely it's like, They'll just be cool, and especially if you come at them with kindness, they're going to come back to you with kindness And they'll be like, oh, I didn't tell you because I was worried that you might get upset And be like, nah, right. man, it's cool You know, or right. woman, whatever Like, you know, it's all good, like, no no big deal But yeah, great question, Eric, I love it This was very different than the other questions you've given us recently yeah. So I love hearing this
0: I have things too Yeah. <laughs> so last week We had a listener question From Ulrich, similar name To Ulrich, but, but, you know, the U And we answered his Question, his question was about, like, getting started And becoming an emerging filmmaker in his community. And we let him know we answered the question on the podcast. And then he wrote Hi, thank you for replying to my email a few weeks ago. You asked if you could answer the question on the podcast, which I would highly appreciate. I also have a question about script writing how do I write my first script? Since I have no experience writing natural dialogue and do not know how to structure a movie properly. Thanks. Regards, Ulrich. So Ulrich, what advice do you have for Ulrich?
1: Well, I kind of feel like at this stage in your writing journey, like it's probably good to read at least one book because I started writing scripts without reading books and I wasn't very good. I was bad, even. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we're all bad. I'm probably still bad. But, you know, it was really not good in the beginning. And so I read a book when I was getting serious about writing, like, my first short films. And it was called... God, I'm trying to figure out which which is the Robert McKee book I read. I read a, a Robert McKee book. And I can't, I'm, can't. i like, looking at it online right now, trying to figure out which one it is. And I'm not like, oh, oh, yeah, that's it. It's just story.
0: Yeah, I was story. thinking that was the one. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: I read Robert McKee's book, Story. And it was basically, like the way that i learned how to write my my scripts properly that and reading the the john august blog so i was like reading this book reading john august's blog before he had his podcast and that was like kind of how i taught myself how to write scripts and i think that's a really good place to start because they teach you like everything from the very basics of like how to format a script to like how to 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 write characters how to write dialogue how to write scenes, like, the very important, like, purpose of scenes and, like, why you even have a scene in the first place and, like, what you need to, like, what a scene needs in order for it to exist, which I love that it's, like, something needs to happen that, like, is impactful for the characters and, like, there has to be, like, a certain amount of turns of, you know, conflict, basically, either within the scene or from scene to scene. That was the thing that blew my mind was conflicts between, like... This, this scene ends on a downbeat so this next scene should 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 start with an upbeat or whatever it is it was like it, it was really crazy or if you want to like you end down then you could double down to start and then you go up like you have to have like these shifts in, in conflict or it's or it's not gonna or this is gonna be flat and not dynamic so that's what I would suggest is like read that book. You know, get Celtex, listen to John August's podcasts. read his blog. There's all kinds of resources and tools, like basically everything that you need to know on to write anything can be found online like super easily. But story would be the book I would start with because there's other ones I've read, but they were way more dense. And like not as easy. But what about you, Liz? What do you think? What 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 would you do if you were Ulrich?
0: I think that's all really good advice, but I don't take any of that advice <laughs> when I write. I mean, that's, like, that's the advice to listen to, right? But when I write, I just, I sit and I write, or I've started doing outlines or beat sheets and, and then working from there. And I would say, Ulrich, just write down in a document or on a piece of paper, all the things you want to happen in your story and put them in order and then think about the gaps in between those events and what would you like to see happen between those events and just kind of account for moments that you think should be in your movie. And then when you write your script, you can always use that as a resource as where you're, for where you're going and what scenes you need to write. In addition to that, I I really feel comfortable writing dialogue because I'm a weird repressed nerd who used to act scenes out in my room alone in in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) So like I feel pretty comfortable playing multiple roles because I used to play them in my room. But what I would say is you can write pretty non-natural dialogue. You can write really robotic dialogue. And then what you do is you have you either read it aloud or you ask an actor to read it out loud and you soften it and you adjust it to how they feel like it could come out more subtle, more better. What can you take out? What is overwritten? What is underwritten? don't worry about getting anything perfect the first time. I think what's important is just to get the idea out of your head and then polish. And know that half of the work of writing is polishing and, and don't be don't be uh, overwhelmed by by the amount that you'll need to fix after you start.
1: Yeah, I, I double down on that. Someone, there's a famous saying, it's like writing is rewriting. And I totally agree with that. And anyone who always tells me that they like write it in a in one draft or two drafts or whatever, or they don't do a lot of rewriting, I always am very skeptical of that because that's the exact opposite of my experience. Like I feel like getting, getting it all out for me is so important. Like as soon as it's all out, then the rewriting starts. And like, I never follow that advice. That's why I haven't written very many scripts. But if I did, I think I would... <laughs> I would, I would be a more prolific writer, but yeah, I definitely feel like get it all out and then, and then don't don't be so precious the first time around. Just get it out and then come back to it, you know. But yeah, hopefully this was helpful, Liz. Any last advice on writing that you want to give uh, Ulrich?
0: No, but if anyone has counter advice or advice to supplement what we're saying, you can always send us a question, comment, or suggestion to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. If you like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. We love that. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at MMIH Podcast, YouTube at Making Movies is Hard Podcast. It is about this time where we like to shout out the International Screenwriters Association, which is an organization designed to connect writers with filmmakers through the programs they offer, including publishing your logline to a network of industry professionals. They have courses, contests. They have top writers lists. Go to networkisa.org to sign up for free. Thank you to Bomani for coming on the show. Thanks to Rachel Torvik from Katrina1PR for setting this whole thing up. Thanks to our editor, Jeff Reimut, for doing the editing. Robert Jones for running our social media. And our producer, Eric Toms, for just being awesome. Thanks to all of you for listening. Talk to y'all next week. Wait, delay, delay.
1: Why? (laughs) Why?
0: I think you should paste it in the chat too because I'm losing you like every 30 seconds about. Um, Okay. But then record whatever, you know, whatever works for you.